part of our first day of the week. Isn't Sunday the first day of the week? A lot of people think it's Monday, but it's not. It's Sunday. Anyway, Galatians 5. We're studying about the fruit of the Spirit. And we've been doing that for the last several weeks. Taking our time with this. Remember, after we finish this uh, series, then I'm going to do a a little brief series on the Pharisees. I think we're going to learn a lot of things. We never want to have a Pharisaical spirit set down on top of us, you know, or a Pharisaical attitude, however you want to say it. It's real easy for Christians, particularly those who have been saved a long time, to become Pharisaical. So uh, keep me in prayer that we'll say what the Spirit of God wants said on that to protect us from becoming like a Pharisee. What do you say? All right, now Galatians 5.19. The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. So there's more on the list than what he listed here. We've talked about some of those things over the last couple of weeks. And then he says, of which I tell you beforehand, just as also I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So We've said much on that, those verses, so I'll not take the time to review any of that this morning. But notice verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness. That's the one we're going to look at today. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. And of course, something that I do review with you every week while we're on this series, is that Jesus is looking for us as Christians to produce fruit. And, of course, we just read about the fruit of the Spirit here, but there's something more important than these that we just looked at. The first fruit that he's looking for us to produce is souls, to be soul winners. And Jesus expects us, the Heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit. How many of you believe in the Trinity? Three in one, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Three separate individuals, God the Father, God the Son, the Lord Jesus, God the Holy Ghost, but yet they're one, three in one. It's a trinity. And, uh, but God, and so, you know, in the day in which we live, when you say God, you got to explain who you're talking about. Used to be in America, you didn't have to explain when you said God, everybody knew you were talking about the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Nowadays, you say God, it could, be, it could be anything. So that's why I like to say, when I say God, I always tack on the Father of who? The Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, anyway, he's looking for us to be soul winners and win souls and tell people about Jesus. And, and, and it's very bold in Scripture that if we're not telling people about the Lord, now you can't make somebody get saved, you understand that, but you can tell them about the Lord. And uh, if we're not doing that, God sees us as unfruitful. That's why we give you these tracts every week to pass out. We don't want you to be unfruitful, you see. So that's what the Lord's looking at first and foremost for us to be fruitful. And in so doing, telling people about the Lord, the gospel. Then the second thing he looks for is this fruit of the Spirit, uh, fruit of the Spirit here. And did you ever notice there's nine of them, aren't there? There's nine of them. 
And uh, I, I want to say this, uh, and, and, and I believe I said this in the introductory session, but I want to say it again. There's nine fruit of the Spirit, which we just read here, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's nine fruit. Did you also ever think that in, uh, I believe it's 1 Corinthians 12, you don't have to turn there, you can look it up some, some other time. But 1 Corinthians 12 gives nine gifts of the Spirit. Did you ever read about those, those nine gifts? The word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy. How many of you know uh, we ought to be speaking in tongues? Is that right? Absolutely. Speaking in tongues hasn't passed away. <clears throat> and uh, I was listening to a uh, scholar uh, Rick Renner, have you ever heard of Rick Renner? A scholar, just wonderful Christian. He, he pastors a church in, in Moscow, in Russia. And uh, he, I was listening to him on YouTube the other day, and he, he said this, he looked in the camera and he said, uh, if you attend a church, because he said in the United States, there's not much speaking in tongues going on anymore. And he said, he looked in the camera, he said, if you attend a church where they still believe in speaking in tongues, he said, Congratulations. Because that's, uh, it's not real popular anymore, but it's still Bible. Amen. He said it's still Bible. It's still the Bible. And uh, what a blessing that is. And, uh, but, um, so there's tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy. Right? And then there's gifts of healings, working of miracles, and special faith. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, so forth. Let's see if we can get all nine of them. Now you count with me. There's tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. How many is that? Three. Then there's word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. How many is that? Then there's special faith, gifts of healings, working of miracles. How many is that? That's nine. Now we all like those, or most people like those, those gifts. I sure do. Um, did you know God's still in the healing business? Did you know that? And, and if you went back in this ministry, just this, this, just this church, over the last 25 years, there have been thousands, not hundreds, but thousands of people healed by the power of God. Now, how many of you know I can't heal anybody? I'm not the healer. Jesus is the healer. He's still in the healing business. And we've seen him heal cancer. We've seen him open deaf ears. We've seen him uh, just do all sorts of things. Heal, heal people's hips, heal people's feet. He, I mean, all kinds of things. Backs, all kinds of stuff. Isn't that wonderful? We've had people come back with doctor's reports. And when I laid hands on them and prayed for them, naturally speaking, it didn't look like anything changed. But how many of you know faith is the substance of the things hoped for, the evidence of things not perceived with five physical senses? And they'd come back with, and how many of you know we believe in good doctors, hospitals, and medicines? Absolutely. But we need to turn to God first, you see. And thank God the good hospitals, doctors, medicines, they're there. We believe in those, certainly. I take advantage of them if I need to, Sure. But we've had people come back with reports saying, oh, the doctor said that, you know, I, I had to, 
in, in some cases, you know, uh, is, is looking at death. And, uh, and they don't have to die anymore. Isn't that wonderful? So, so, so we like those things. We, we like those things. Wonderful, 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 wonderful. Fantastic things. Gifts of the Spirit. But it's interesting. A lot of times folks want to talk about the gifts of the Spirit, but they, they don't want to spend so much time on the fruit of the Spirit. Now listen carefully now. It's vital that you hear this. I've watched, I've been doing this a long time, I've watched for pastor in this church 25 years. We started it from scratch. Still going 25 years later. No debt on the ministry. Isn't that wonderful? Never had to kill one chicken to pay a bill. Isn't that wonderful? You know, a lot of churches, they get by on chicken dinners and bingo. And Isn't that wonderful? One chicken didn't have to die to pay this place off. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? But I've been watching this a long time and you see a lot of churches, they'll center in on the gifts of the Spirit. Now I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I'm all for the gifts of the Spirit, as I've just said. But they'll center in on those gifts. And did you know the Corinthians had the gifts of the Spirit? 1 Corinthians 12, I just quoted from it. But you know they were some of the most goofed up people in the Bible. Did you know that? Did you hear what I just said? What am I trying to say? You could have the gifts of the Spirit and and, and be pretty carnal and goofed up as a Christian. And God in His great mercy moves, helps people. But, 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 But I've watched a lot of times people that like the gifts of the Spirit... They're not too developed in the fruit of the Spirit. And I've watched Christians that overemphasize the gifts of the Spirit usually fizzle out in the process of time. I've watched churches that they put the emphasis on the gifts of the Spirit, you know. And in some cases, I've watched this over the years. I believe in the joy in the Holy Ghost. I believe that there is a laughter in the Holy Ghost. But remember when all that laughing came through some, some years back. And there was a truth in it. And there was a, a good flow in it. But you could take things too far sometimes. And, and I've watched those churches that, 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 that you know, the Christians had come together and they'd, they'd, they'd just be speaking in tongues. And, and, and I believe in speaking in tongues. I told you that. But we need to do it in line with the Word of God. Can you say Amen. And, and, and so forth and so on. And they get so wound up and hooped and hooping and hollering and going on. And I'm, I, I, hey, I, I believe it. there is a dance in the Holy Ghost when the power of God comes on you. There are these things, you see. But I've watched folks get, get carried away with all those things. And they don't develop in these, these fruit. And they fizzle out. Did you hear what I said? The churches, they'll fizzle out. I don't want us to fizzle we haven't fizzled. We're not going to fizzle. We're still going. You know, it's a miracle, really, to be going 25 years, the same pastor in the same place, and I've never missed one service standing in that pulpit unless I've been on vacation. Is it? That's a miracle right there, isn't it? Isn't that wonderful? We just keep doing what God assigned us to do. While I'm on it, I'll say this. God isn't changing assignments every time the wind changes direction. Did you hear what I just said? A lot of people think, oh, you know, God's given them a new direction. You know, every time the wind changes direction. I've been doing this 25 years. 
You understand that? And we're blessed on every side. I think Christians are too quick to jump ship and, and, and get off and do something else, you know. God assigns you somewhere, assigns you to do something, then you stick with it. Can you say amen? He's not moving people from one church to the next all, every time the wind changes direction. He'll give you a church and a pastor, and he might sit you there for a couple of decades. Did you hear what I just said? I didn't say a couple of weeks. I didn't say a couple of services. I said a couple of decades. Amen. You've been here a couple of decades, haven't you? Yeah, amen. And you've had some gifts of the Spirit operate, you know. See, But, but you see, and you've been healed through the ministry and whatnot and touch. But, but, but here's the thing. Say this. Say the fruit of the Spirit. Say we need the fruit of the Spirit. And I'll tell you something else. I believe Christian. I'm taking a little more time with this than I intended to, but we're led by the Spirit of God. I believe that Christians that are developed, listen to me, that are developed in the fruit of the Spirit are going to put themselves in a position to be used more accurately in the gifts of the Spirit. Did you get what I just said? People that are are developed in the fruit of the Spirit, I believe God's going to be able to use them more accurately in the gifts of the Spirit. Did you ever notice that Jesus did not say by Their gifts you shall know them. What did he say? He said, by their fruits you shall what? Know them. So let's let's don't ever think these fruit aren't important because they are. Did I make myself clear on that? If If you had to choose, now thank God we don't have to choose. We can have the fruit and the gifts. But if you had to choose between the the fruit or the gifts, you want to pick the fruit. Because as we showed you last week, those who have the fruit of the Spirit won't fail, they won't stumble, and they won't cause others to stumble. But I've watched a lot of Christians that had the gifts of the Spirit all right, just like those Corinthians, they had the gifts of the Spirit, but they they were stumbling and they caused a lot of other people to stumble. Frankly, I've watched this for over 25 years. I've watched Christians that had, they did have the gifts of the Spirit all right, they did. But yet they'd go out after church and gossip and talk bad about people. Now don't tell me that doesn't cause folk to stumble. It does. So you see, let's have the fruit of the Spirit. We won't stumble. We won't cause others to stumble. And then then we'll be open for God to use us really accurately in the gifts of the Spirit, you see. Did you get that? Okay. Now, notice also too... That, we've said this to you, to the degree that the fruit of the Spirit develops in your life, to that degree you'll be able to overcome the works of the flesh. You can only overcome the works of the flesh by willpower so long. But if you'll develop the fruit of the Spirit, when did you get the fruit of the Spirit? You got the fruit, it was all put in you when you became a Christian, when you received Jesus, you see. But just because the fruit is in there doesn't mean that it is developed. You have to stay in the Word of God. You have to study the Word of God. You have to walk with the Lord and, and let that fruit develop in your life, you see. And we've showed you that fruit, the fruit of the Spirit can be more or less in your life at any given time, you see. Depending on how much time you're cultivating it and spending time with the Lord. Now, That all having been said, let's center in on the fruit of goodness now. Talk for a few minutes about that. Now, uh, 
the fruit of the Spirit's listed in Galatians 5, but in Ephesians 5. Go to Ephesians 5, because we've also been trying to show you that Paul, didn't, the apostle, he did not just, the Holy Spirit through him, did not just address these fruit to the Galatians, but he addressed them to other uh, of, of the churches as well, as we've showed you. And uh, here in Ephesians 5, notice to the Ephesians, he says in Ephesians 5, 9, he says, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness and truth. But today we're staring in on goodness. So notice he, t- he talks about this fruit of, of goodness to the Ephesians. Now what is this fruit of goodness? What is it? Let me just tell you. It means to be virtuous or have moral excellence. It means to be upright in heart and in life. This fruit of goodness is a positive moral quality characterized especially by interest in the welfare of others. I want to say that again. It's a positive moral quality characterized especially by interest in the welfare of others. Are you concerned just about yourself as most Christians seem to be. (laughs) I'm not talking about just in this room here. I'm talking doing this for 25 years. I've seen quite a bit. You know, the more I learn about the Bible, the more I see I don't know. But a person that has this fruit... It's characterized by the interest you have in the welfare of others. How concerned are you about your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? How concerned are you about sinners that are out there in the community that are dying and going to hell? This fruit of goodness, is there's a benevolence about it, a generosity about it. A generosity. Actually, as you study into this, you find it's the act of generous giving. See, this fruit is not just a matter of being virtuous or having moral excellence, but there's an action side to it as well. There's an action to it. It's not just just being a benevolent person or, 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 or being virtuous or being having moral excellence, but there's a there's an action to it. It's the act of generously giving. And not just giving of money, that's just part of it, but giving of your time, your efforts, giving of your time in prayer to pray for people. It it actually, have you ever heard of philanthropy, a philanthropist? Have you ever heard of a philanthropist? And and somebody, you know, they they may have, have millions and millions and millions of dollars and they'll just give this organization, they might give this organization $10 million. That's a philanthropist. Well, that's what this, this fruit, that's what this fruit is all about. It's, 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 it's a goodness of heart and a generosity of heart and it spills over and it, and it reaches out and it gives to other people. It means to have good works. It means 
a good person doing good works. And here it's a good deed doer. A good deed doer. Now notice Ephesians, the second chapter in the eighth verse, talking about goodness here. It's important that you get this. Notice this, Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of what? Not of what? Not of works. Lest anyone should boast. So it's clear in Scripture, we're not saved by good works. We're saved by grace through faith. Now that's clear. All right? That's how you get to heaven. Can your good works help you get to heaven? Can they help a little bit? Can they help just a smidgen? No. So we're saved by grace through faith. Faith in Jesus. Not of yourselves. Gift of God. Not of works. Lest anyone should boast. But then verse 10. Verse 10 is what we want to center in on. For we are his. We are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. For what? For what? For good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Walk in what? Walk in good works. Christians, listen to me, Christians should be the biggest good deed doers on the planet. Christians should be the the, the biggest good deed doers on the planet earth. Absolutely. Absolutely. We should be full of good works. Good deed doers. Now, Will our good deed doing get us to heaven? No. What gets us to heaven? Grace through what? Faith in Jesus. But once we are saved, once we are born again, then what should we be full of? We should be full of what? Good works. Right? Full of good works. Actually, Good works, now now notice, if you're taking notes, you ought to write this down. Good works are not the root of our salvation, but rather the fruit, the fruit, there it is, the fruit of our salvation. Good works are not the root of our salvation. What's the root of our salvation? Grace through faith in Jesus, see? That's the root, but, but good works are not the root. Faith is the root, but good works are the what? Are the what? Are the what? Come on, guys. Are the what? Are the what? Am I, am I boring you all? Am I? There's nobody going to sleep, are there? You sure you're not sleeping on me? Are you sure? Yes. All right. <clears throat> So what's the uh, root of our salvation? Faith in Jesus. What's the what's the uh, fruit of our salvation? Good works. All right. So what's the root? What's the fruit? You got that? All right. Look at Third John eleven. It'll be on the screen if you don't have the New Living Translation. There's only one chapter there. It says, we'll start midway through that verse. 
follow only what is good. Remember that those who do good prove that they are God's children. And those who do evil prove that they do not know God. So do you see here, do you see here that good works are what? Are approving that we're the children of God. Is that right? It proves. Those who do good prove they're children of God. Those who do evil prove that they don't know God. So let me ask you, are you full of good works? Now, I need to say this. The saddest thing, you know what the saddest thing in the world is? You know, should I tell you what the saddest thing in the world is? The saddest thing in the world is when you have people who are full of good works, but they have no faith in Jesus, they die and they go to hell. Isn't that sad? But, it's, it, but, but what I just said there, now a lot of people will balk at that. And they'll say, oh, no, 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 if you help the poor and you do this and you do that and, and you give money to the church and, 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 and you serve in the church and, and, and you do this and you do that and you do the other and you help the little lady across the street and, and you know, and you, you, know you're, you help animals that you see an animal side the road, you take the animal to the veterinarian. And you, I mean, oh, you do all those things and you're good to people and you're nice to people that one day... You know, you'll make heaven because of all that. You know, that's a lie straight out of the pit of hell. Did you know that? But did you know there's a lot of people who balk at that? But it's the truth. Your good works and my good works put together on our best day put us right in the pit of hell. Did you know that? And that's the saddest thing. You know what's even more sad than that is when you have people attend church week in, week out, week in, week out, week in, week out, week in, week out. And they, and they serve in the church. They give money to the church. They do all these good things. And they, they do that for 40, 50 years. They die and they go to hell. Isn't that sad? Say, how can these things be, Pastor Terry? Because the preacher never stood up there and told them that you miss hell and you make heaven by receiving Jesus, period. You know, there's a lot of churches, they don't ever tell that to the people. You need to understand that. That's sad, isn't it? See, good works, are they good or... Now, this is not a hard question. Good works, are they good or not? Absolutely, they're good. They just don't get us to heaven, do they? That's a free gift God's grace gave Jesus, we receive him, we miss hell, we make heaven, period. Do you got that? But once we get saved, once we become a Christian, then we should be what? Full of what? Full of good works. Are the good works the root or are they the fruit? Fruit. What's the root? Faith in Jesus. See, you're getting it. All right. And, and I don't have time. I, I need to move on here. But over in Acts 10, you ought to read it sometime. Don't read it now, but read it maybe this afternoon. Acts 10, chapter Cornelius. Ever hear of him? And, and he was, in the Bible, he was one of the most moral, upright men in the whole Bible. God-fearing, loved his family, gave to the poor, prayed, did it, did it all. 
if there was any person going to heaven, you would think it'd be him. But yet, an angel appeared to him and said, uh, Cornelius, send for Peter. He needs to come and tell you what you must do to be saved. Now, now most people would say, well, well, wait a minute. This man is a good man. He's a good man. He's, what else? What, what do you mean? What does he have to do? What, what else would he have to do? He, he gave money to the poor. He prayed. He was a good family man. Well, why, would he, why would an angel appear to him and say, go call for Peter. He'll tell you what you must do. See, his good works wouldn't save him. And Peter came over and preached the gospel to Cornelius and his household. They believed and they got saved. Can you say amen? amen. And I preached a message one time. Even the good must be saved. There's only one way to do it. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, I'll just throw this in. I I probably shouldn't even say this, but I don't know if you realize it, but I've noticed this in the culture over the last, I would say it's it's gotten, you all haven't done anything wrong, but it's, it's just in the spirit. Over the last, I would say probably, 10 years and then over the last five it it really has gotten really difficult when you stand up here and preach you you don't realize you haven't done nothing wrong I'm just telling you 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 like a little insight behind the scenes of what goes on in the spirit this society here in the United States has and I'm talking in the church as well the churches has become so entertainment there's been such a spirit of entertainment that has come into the churches that as I stand up here remember a moment ago when I asked you where you sleeping how many remembers that there's such a temptation and a push now you, you may not realize this but there's such a temptation and a push spiritually speaking for me to close this up here and stand up here and start telling jokes are doing things to try to entertain you, to get you to laugh. And you know what? I refuse to do it. I refuse to do it. I could tell you some humdinger jokes. I could tell you some stories. I could tell you some things that make you laugh. I could tell you some things. I could entertain you. I used to teach junior high, brother. I could tell you some things. I could tell you a story about a cat that would make a dog cry. I'm telling you why. I could tell you some stuff. But I tell you what, in the midnight hour when the devil's knocking on your door with cancer and telling you you got six months to live, my jokes ain't going to help you. It's going to be this time that you're sitting here studying the word of God. What are you doing right now? You're arming your gun. You're getting ready. That's what church ought to be about. It, It really ought to be really a spiritual boot camp where you come. To learn the word of God. To set you up for when the devil comes knocking on your door. That you could flat open the door and blast that sucker with the word of God. And knock him out of your life. Can you say amen? Amen. And you're not going to get that with jokes and funny stories. And a bunch of entertainment stuff. Let's go through a few scriptures very quickly. You getting anything out of this today? And I guess I said that because I don't want you to succumb to... And that's why the Holy Ghost wanted me to say that there. I wasn't going to say it. But 
you don't need to succumb to that. To that, don't let that thing settle in on you. Where I got to be entertained. I got to have something. I got to have something, you know, flashing all the time. No, no. You sit there, even if it seems as boring as it can be. The Word of God is not boring. It's life, and you let it settle in your heart. Can you say Amen? Matthew 5.16, we're going to go through these quick. Can you, can you go quick? Summit Church people are quick with their, with their swords. What's your sword? Your sword is your Bible. Matthew 5.16, Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your what? Goodness. Good works. And now, now, you help me out with this, that they may see your what? And glorify your Father in heaven. Pretty good, isn't it? Now let's go to Titus 2. We're going to read several verses from Titus. This is the epistle of good works is what it's known as. Titus, Paul writing to this young pastor, Titus, who was setting some churches in order in the, on the island of Crete. And he says this, Titus 2.13, Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and, purif- and purify for himself his own special people, That'd be you and me. Zealous for what? We should be zealous for a good work, shouldn't we? Look at, look at Titus 3, verse 1, verse 1 and 2. He said, Paul said, Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every what? Good work. To speak evil of no one. That's a good work, isn't it? To be peaceable, to be gentle, there's another fruit of the Spirit, and the peace. Showing all humility, well, there's another one. Well, there's there's the fruit of the Spirit right in there. You see it? To all men, be ready for every good work. Wow. Look at at verse 5, Titus 3, 5. Now then Titus brings it out. Not by works of righteousness which we have done... See, our works won't save us. That's what Paul's telling him right here. He's telling Titus this. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? Not by works of righteousness which we have done. So it's not by our works. It's by what Jesus, his work. But should we be full of good works as a Christian? Absolutely. Then look at verse 8, Titus 3, 8. This is a faithful saying. And these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God. How many of you have believed in God in here today? You believed in His Son, Jesus. These people should be careful to what? Maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. Look at, look at chapter 3, verse 14 here. He says, and let our people also learn to what? Maintain good works. To meet urgent needs that they may not be what? That they may not, there it is, that they may not be what? Unfruitful. Wow. Good works are important, aren't they? They just won't save you. And then, of course, look at 1 Timothy 5. Now this is, now Paul is going to write to this by the Holy Spirit. 
Holy Spirit's directing all this. He's writing through Paul now to this other pastor, Timothy. And Timothy pastored the church in Ephesus. And it was a church of, some say it could have had 100,000 members in it. Can you imagine having 100,000 members in the church? And, and there were, they had it set up where widows could come and they could get, you know, get, get food and whatnot and, and, and supplies and whatnot and so forth. Probably some money and whatnot from the, from the uh, uh, treasury of the church. And notice what he says here to this young pastor in directing him. He says, 1 Timothy 5, 9, Do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number. That just means into the group that the church is going to help, which I suppose would imply that there was was an age limit here for whatever reason. And not unless she has been the wife of one man. And then here, get verse 10 is what I want to get. Well reported for what? For what? So in order for the church to help this person, or one of these ladies, and I didn't write this, this is what Paul wrote, she had to be well reported for what? For good works. If she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, do you see what these good works are? He's listing some of them. If she has diligently followed what? Every good work. We need to be full of good works, don't we? Absolutely. And then look at 1 Peter 2.12. 1 Peter 2.12. Look at this. I want some at church people to be full of good works. We need to be full of good works. Now this is the Apostle Peter weighing in on this. And he says this. 1 Peter 2.12. I'm just showing you the importance of good works. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that means among the world. So we ought to, as Christians, our conduct ought to be honorable honorable among the world. That when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your what? Good works which they observe glorify God. So you see, our good works can cause sinners to glorify God. So we could go on and on and on. Do you see good works are important? Look at, it, look at Hebrews 10, at verses 23 through 25, King James Version. I think this will be interesting for you. Uh, watch this. Hebrews 10, verse 23 to 25, King James Version will be on the screen. Let us hold fast, and hopefully you have your Bibles with you or on your phone or something, you've got your Bibles. Uh, I still believe we ought to bring our Bibles to church. I still believe we ought to turn in our Bibles. That's what I, or at least look it up on your phone. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Look at 1 Peter 2.12. We just put that up there as a convenience for you. <clears throat> but you should look it up. And have we ever caught this to be wrong once in a while? Huh? Once in a while there's been a, there's been a typo or something in the, in, the, in the computer program back there. That Once in a blue moon happens. So you need to bring your Bibles and check us out. Everything I say, you need to check out. Be sure it's in line with the Word of God. If it's not in line with the Word of God, throw it out, even if I said it. Can you say amen to that? Let us hold fast. Now watch this. The profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke. Real loud, say provoke. To provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another and such more as the day approaching. But look at this. Look at verse 24. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to say provoke. 
we're supposed to provoke one another unto what? Love and to what? Good works. Now this word provoke means to stand alongside and sharpen. It means to stir up. It means to urge someone almost to the point of irritation. It means to motivate. But let me camp on this. To urge almost to the point of irritation. That's what we're supposed to be doing to one another when we come together. One of the things we're supposed to be doing is we're supposed to be provoking because he's talking about let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. He's talking about in the church setting we're supposed to come together and to provoke one another to good works. To the, to the point where we're almost irritating. Yeah, let me, you know, like this. And some people say, Pastor, Pastor, we don't want to hear no more about that Facebook stuff. We don't want to hear no more. We don't, why are we using the Facebook? Why are we using that? You know there's bad things happen on Facebook, but there's good things happen on Facebook. How many of you know there's bad things happen on television? There's good things happen on television. Is that right? How many of you know your telephones? Your te- how many has a telephone? Everybody's got one of those cell phones. Good things happen on there, but how many of you know? Let's see if I can take her cell phone. Can I take your cell phone? Thank you. How many know there's bad? You can get pornography on this. Did you know that? You can also get a lot of good stuff on this. Well, don't use it for the bad. Use it for the good. But what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to provoke one another. And people say, well, why does he he keep talking about that Facebook? Why are we using Facebook? To spread the gospel. Come on, say amen, somebody. To spread, to get on there and start spreading the gospel. Spreading the gospel. You don't know where your Facebook click could go. And we're up here and we say... Get on that Facebook. Get on that Facebook. Just two minutes a week. Just just two minutes a week. Go on there. Go to Summit Church Facebook page and click something and like something and share it. And people say, oh, I just hate that Facebook. I don't want to. Oh, I just don't. can't do that. I can't do that Facebook. And I wish they'd in here. I wish they'd stop talking about that blasted thing, Facebook at church. Well, I'm just doing what the Bible says do. I'm provoking you to what? To good works. Or that Jubilee gang. I'm so tired of it. I don't want to hear about that anymore. They keep talking about that every week. Well, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to... What am I doing? Am I provoking you? I'm supposed to... Boy, I wish I had your head of hair, brother. (laughs) Provoke provoke him. You know? Wouldn't that get old? You know, just... Hey, Cheryl. I'm supposed to say this to you. Holy Ghost, just just right as I came over here. Do you think the blood of Jesus is precious? You're just as precious as that blood because he shed that for you. Well, that was worth coming to church for. Don't Don't ever think you're not precious. You're just as precious as that blood. Because he shed that for you. Amen. Would that get old? Real quick. Real quick? Real quick. Real quick. But what am I doing? Huh? You're well, annoying me. I'm annoying. <laughs> but, 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 what, but I'm provoking you to good works. And you got your Bible on your phone. See, I thought you were back here playing games on your phone. But no, I'm teasing with you. I'm, I'm kidding with you. But see, I'm so what am I doing, man? Provoking me today. I'm provoking you. See, but people, if you're visiting today, I don't act like this all the time. Just, 
just some of the time. Why do they keep talking to me about those blasted tracks? I don't want to hand out those. They talk every Sunday about those tracks. I wish they'd shut up. What are we doing? We're provoking you to what? To good works. So I'm just doing what the Bible says. Now let's close. I need to let you go. I, I don't want to preach too long. Turn over to uh, 1 Corinthians 3. So if we're irritating you and provoking you and making you uncomfortable and aggravating you, we're doing our job, aren't we? (laughs) I was just teasing you, Bonnie. I was just Of all the nine fruit, I hope you're getting something out of this. Of all the nine fruit, perhaps this fruit of good works will be the fruit that is most inspected by the Lord Jesus. Look at 1 Corinthians 3. This is a judgment for every Christian. The Bible says every Christian will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Every one of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And notice what 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11, it's talking about you. It's talking about me. Everybody that's placed their faith in Jesus says, No other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ. That's our salvation. Verse 11 is our our salvation. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, see, builds on the foundation. Jesus is the foundation. But now after we get saved, we're supposed to be full of good works. Why? Well, watch this. If anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. I don't know about you, but I like gold, silver, and precious stones better than wood, hay, and straw. Each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it. What day? The day of this judgment that's yet to come out in the future. Because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Your works, my works, are going to be tested by the fire of God. The Bible says if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. There's five crowns mentioned in Scripture that that we can receive at this judgment seat. And if our work endures, we'll receive a reward. If anyone's work, this is talking about Christians, if anyone's work is burned, he or she will what? Suffer loss. What? Loss of what? Loss of salvation? No. Loss of what? Loss of reward. But he or she himself will be what? Will be saved. Why? Because the foundation was Jesus, yet so as through fire. What fire? The fires of hell? No, the fires of the judgment seat. This is going to be an awesome time when every Christian stands before the judgment seat. Every Christian will bow their knee before Jesus and give an account for what you did in the body, whether good or bad. And if your work endures, you'll receive a reward. If your work does not, it'll be burned. You'll suffer loss. You yourself will get to go into heaven, but with no reward. No crowns to lay at Jesus' feet. And you see... Uh, The Bible says that we as preachers are supposed to be a flame of fire. 
We're supposed to be a flame of fire. God got this through to me many years ago because you see, as a, as, as, as a preacher, I'm supposed to be up here teaching you the word of God and I'm supposed to be like a flame of fire, not just yelling and screaming, not, not talking about that. I'm talking about teaching the word of God. I'm supposed to be up here and ministers are supposed to be a flame of fire. The Bible says that. Why are we supposed to be a flame of fire? Because you see, as you come to church on Sunday and I stand up here under the anointing of God and the power of God comes on me and I begin to teach, begin to teach the word and I take the word and I like like a surgeon with a scalpel and I go and I start getting the it's not me the Holy Ghost through me starts cutting away things that shouldn't be in your life and the and the fires of this pulpit the word of God that comes out and licks around you and cuts things off that shouldn't ought to be there you see that's what we're supposed to be doing as a minister that's what's supposed to be happening every Sunday and every Wednesday night as we come and we hear the word of God and you let the man of God stand up there under the power of God unimpeded by some deep or demon board but stands under the power of God and the power of God goes out and the power of God begins to lick around you and cuts this thing off and cuts that thing off and cuts that gossip out and cuts that, 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 that those things that shouldn't be there out cuts this away cuts that away wouldn't it be a better deal to have things cut away down here at this time in this hour when you can, can repent and get things right wouldn't that be wonderful to let the fire of God hit you down here where you have time to straighten up wouldn't that be wonderful rather than wait until you get to the judgment seat of Christ where there's no time to repent then. It's a done deal then. You're going to either have reward or suffer loss then. But if you let the fires of God hit you down here and burn that stuff off you down here, you see you can repent, get right, and when you get to that judgment seat, there'll be nothing but reward. Can you say amen? But I've watched so many Christians over the years the power of God comes on the man of God and he begins to preach under the anointing of God and the fire of God goes out across the congregation and, 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 and he comes against gossip. He comes against this. He comes against that. It's not me. It's the word of God. And I've actually had people sit there and say, I just can't take that. I don't want to listen to that. I'm not going to have anything to do with that. I want to come and I want to be entertained. My God. Should not ought to be, should it? Always remember this. When correction goes out and the fires of this pulpit go out and they begin to lick or you know a fire licks around you and starts burning stuff and starts make, burning stuff up and makes you uncomfortable. You ought to get down. Rather than rejecting that and saying, I'm not going back there anymore, you ought to say, thank you, Lord Jesus, because everyone you love, you rebuke and chasten. And thank you, Lord, for rebuking me now. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to endure it. I'm not going to sit there and just look at my watch and just wait because uh, I want to beat the Baptist to the Kentucky Fried Chicken. No, 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 no. You sit there and you let the power of God work on you till the power of God's done. Can you say amen? Now I'm telling you in this hour, there's going to be some Christians that are going to be so full of joy because they obeyed God they listen to God. They walk with God. They came to church on Sunday. They, hang, they hung on every word. They treated the house of God with respect and with honor. They treated his ministers with respect and honor. And in that day, Jesus will give them great reward. But I'm telling you what, at this judgment seat, there's going to be people that have not yielded to this fruit of goodness. And they haven't 
been faithful in their giving. They haven't been faithful in their tithing. They haven't been faithful in this. They haven't been faithful in that. They haven't done this as they should. They have not reached out with, they haven't passed out their tracks. They haven't invited people to the family black, whatever it is. And dear friends, it's all going to come up in the judgment seat. And the fires of God will lick around you and burn some things to smithereens. There'll be nothing left. And I believe Jesus with fire and tears both in his eyes at the same time as we some stand there with all everything burned. But then he'll point and say, go on in. It was my blood that bought you your entrance. But you go in with nothing. Naked and ashamed. That's why God has me standing up here acting like this. For 25 years. For all who will listen. I'm out of time, but let me just tell you this. There's another group of people, far greater in number, that are going to stand before another throne. It's called the Great White Throne. And that'll happen some thousand years after what we just talked about, this judgment seat of Christ. And every person that walked the face of this earth, from the Garden of Eden to that time, that said, I don't need Jesus. I don't have time for Him. I'm not interested in Him. Or they just neglect Him. And they'll stand before what's known as the great white throne. And the Bible is clear. They'll be judged for their own works. All the people that said through their life, I don't need the work of Jesus. I don't need what he did on that cross. I don't need his blood. I'm good enough on my own. I've done great and wonderful things. I've given millions of dollars away. I've helped so many. And those people, the Bible says, the books will be opened. And each one will be judged according to his own work. And anyone found that their name was not written in the book of life, Jesus will turn those people into the lake of fire for all eternity with no reprieve. So that's why we do what we do. That's why we tell people about Jesus. That's why we pass out tracts. That's why we have the Jubilee Gang. That's why we talk to you about getting on Facebook and telling people about the Lord. Because we don't want anybody to go to hell. Did you get anything out of this today? Stand with me if you would. Bow your heads please. Hallelujah.